0: Good afternoon and welcome to Faith FM in the afternoons. We're talking Looking Up. That's our program this afternoon with me. Peter Watts and my good friend and co-host Danny Milenkov. How are you doing Danny?
1: I am praising the Lord Peter on this glorious sunny
0: afternoon here in Lake Macquarie. It is a beautiful a beautiful afternoon. Newcastle now, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't where, I don't know where you are. I was close. We're in Wallsend. Uh, we're in Wallsend near Newcastle and uh, I think we've told that story ab- uh, before about why it's named Wallsend but maybe we'll do it again a little later. But um, I'm back this week. Did you tell them last week why I was away?
1: Yeah I told them we had a major theological dispute that didn't end. <laughs> that didn't end well for you.
0: <laughs> well, Danny, not known for telling the truth. <laughs> fake news, <laughs> fake news. He's coming up with some more fake news. Now, I had a minor knee operation, mm. and uh, I'd had this little niggle in my knee for about a couple of years. Uh, nothing, you know, it wasn't painful. I wouldn't say it was painful. Um, Danny and I uh, have been guilty of playing indoor soccer on occasions in the past. And uh, we haven't played, well, I haven't played for six months because, mm. uh, you've got, you know, the lockdown and so forth. Nah. But, um, but yeah, I just started to notice it was getting a little bit more tender, my knee, mm. and I walk every day for an hour mm. with my wife. Mm. And so uh, I went to the doctors and said, you know, check it out. And they sort of wriggle it around to say, it seems to be that everything's in the right place. Mm. And... But uh, eventually, we had a scan, and we decided to have a little bit of an investigative operation, mm. bit of an investigation there, Danny. And um, and so, yeah, they found us a, a minor, a small meniscus tear, which they fixed up. And uh, so, this week, I've been learning to walk again.
2: Oh, good
1: for you! Uh, so, you really needed to have I the really
0: operation. I really needed. I really needed a <laughs> needed
1: a break. to have the operation.
0: Maybe I needed a break from you.
1: <laughs> Did you like
3: that pun? That was marvellous.
0: <laughs> Anyway, um, so yes, yeah, so I had, you know, I was sitting around at home most of last week um, with my leg up and uh, resting, and now my, we're sort of into the rehab bit, so I'm mm. hobbling a little bit, but I can tell already that the, the knee's coming good, so that's good news. Praise for Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord! Hopefully, everybody else is happy about <laughs> that as well. And wherever you are, we hope that uh, you are well. We hope that you're enjoying listening in, and if you're here listening for the first time today, we want to welcome you to mm. our program. Indeed. Uh, which uh, the station, of course, is Faith FM. The program is looking up each Wednesday afternoon we're here and we've been looking at some of the events going on around the world and what connection that has to spiritual things. What does what the state of the world today have to do with the conditions of Bible prophecy that the Bible talks about at the end of the world and the coming of Jesus and all of that? So we're going to get into some of that again today. We're going to get into some music before that. So we hope that you enjoy that, and uh, we're going to take this music. It's Jenny and Tyler of This I'm Sure, so enjoy the music.
3: Grace came down and opened us like flowers Love came flowing gently like a stream Kept us safe for a little while Till the waves rose higher and higher we learned in time those waters must recede But of this I'm sure The past don't own us anymore pain came round
4: Turned my soul stone hard Tights keep rushing
3: found the fire burn more faithful and.
0: Welcome back. You were listening to Jenny and Tyler, and of this, I'm sure. I hope you enjoyed that music. Well, uh, here on Faith FM and on the show Looking Up, we are uh, we would love to hear from you. So if you have a comment or a question, we would like you to call in. We have uh, a number you can call on, and that is 1-800-324-843. You can call one 800 324 843. Any comments and questions that you might have about the things that we have been talking about, uh, or you can text on 0491 064 669. That is text 0491 064 669. And uh, well, Danny, it's been quite a week. Well, I mean, maybe before I throw to you for, for what's been happening in the news, which we'll come to in a second. Um, if you are listening for the first time, or maybe if you've been uh, listening for a while, but you would like to re-listen to this program or others in the series "Looking Up," you can go to the website faithfm.com.au. Look for the post—sorry, uh, for the podcast tab. Click on there, and if you look for "Looking Up" with Peter and Danny, uh, you can find their podcasts of the previous. Messages that we have shared on the radio. So um, check that out. Share it with your friends, and uh, if you have a comment, or question, you know where to call. So, Danny, there seems to be such a lot happening in the news. You know, part of this program is about uh, seeing where the world is, looking at what the Bible tells us about where the world is heading, and uh, seeing the correlation, if you like, of the trends, the signs of the times. The things that are happening in our world that are telling us, they're crying out that the world is coming to an end. Jesus is about to return and therefore we want to be ready for that event. So there's been a lot happening here this week in the news.
1: Absolutely, Peter. And um, you and I were talking a bit about it uh, before we went to air and you know we've I guess now for 20 odd years I've been in pastoral ministry and I've been running seminars and, and talking about the signs of Jesus coming and I've been just seeing the you know the signs ratchet up the steady trend yeah, yeah we, we've been seeing you know the temperature rise um, you and I and you've been doing literally
0: for, and figuratively yeah
1: literally and figuratively I didn't think of it like that but that's true um, but what's happened in 2020 You know, to use that term, unprecedented. unprecedented. Well, it was used um, this
0: week in the news.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just phenomenal, really. 2020, um, we're not even at the end of 2020 yet, and yet I've got a list here, and this is a short list of some of the significant things that are happening right now that are all coming together. And it really reminds me of, um, before I get into some of these um, items, it reminds me of the words of Jesus. I mean, he used the analogy in Matthew 24 there of labor pains. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Paul picks up that term labor pains in, um, in his writing. Special Yeah, and I um, mean, I think, um, and Peter, I'm not sure if Peter picks it up, but certainly Paul picks it up there regarding labor pains. And so we know with labor pains that as the as the baby draws, you know, closer to delivery, cl- closer to delivery, they intensify in frequency and in severity. You know, we, we just know that and that's what's happening right now. So all the labor pains, all the signs if I could call them that, yep. labor pains, they are all looking to climb they're all climaxing at the same time. They're all just, you know, they're all in the red zone, so to speak. So let me just give you a few and this is this is just incredible. Um, now, the United States, I'll start off there because um, there's been just so much mayhem going on in the United States this year alone. It's just been phenomenal. It feels, feels
0: like this week alone, quite frankly, but you're right. It's, uh, there's a lot of upheaval there. Uh, we have friends that uh, are Americans. I'm sure you do too. Yeah, I've got family there uh, as well, I've, and I've friends, yeah. I've visited the States five times myself and... Um, yeah, we've got some good friends who live there.
1: Yeah, so there's, so there's a lot going there. And the reason why the United States is really important, and we're going to look at this in, in future programs, is because according to Scripture, it's the epicenter of end-time Bible prophecy. So the United States is very, very significant when it comes to
0: Bible prophecy. Yeah, that, that's the trigger point. And exactly that, And that's right. why, it, I mean, we have covered that a little bit on our program before. Um, and we're, for those that may uh, be wanting a touchstone for that, Basically, in Revelation chapter 13, as we come towards the end of of time, you've got two powers there, the first one being uh, the Roman power, and then the second power mentioned, we believe, to be the United States. Mm. And uh, that's been demonstrated. Uh, It was, uh, I guess, identified over 150 years ago. It was. um, And we have seen how the United States has progressed to the fulfilment of that prophecy at the moment. So.
1: That's right. We've looked at that in the past, but we will revisit that, I'm sure, again yeah. in the coming weeks, especially in the lead-up to the election. And, um, yeah, so talking about politics, we'll begin there. I mean, there's always been polarisation in the United States um, when it comes to politics, but nothing like we Never have seen. Never more so. No, nothing like we have seen right now. And, um, and obviously, you, you have... You have Society caught up in that in a major way now like, like we've never had before. So there's, um, you know, that political polarisation is leading to a lot of social unrest. Um, you know, we've had riots, which we've talked about. Um, also the California wildfires. Uh, I discovered that these California wildfires are unprecedented once again. Yeah. Um, they, they've been tracking uh, how much uh, fire has affected, uh, you know, the the forests there in California from 1950, and I've got a chart here that that I got from the Washington Post just today, and it's over three million acres already that has burnt out and um the highest before that in a single year and and the fire season's not even over yet in california um before that was well under two million so we're over three million um and there's still and there's still more time to go and you know just to go back to what happened in australia peter um you know we, we may have forgotten but those fires that raged from june last year all the way to march this year do you know how much they burnt in australia Oh, in Australia. In Australia, this was
0: phenomenal. So we are talking about last summer.
1: Yeah, yeah, last summer. This last summer. Yeah. This is. These are those unprecedented fires. Sure. You know, um, forty-six million acres of bushland was burnt in Australia during that period of time. Forty-six million. Forty-six million acres. Yes, this is to according to the official. Um, Uh, center for disaster uh, monitoring website here in Australia that I picked up these statistics today and um, that's in case you're wondering what 46 million acres looks like it's 72,000 square miles or 120,000 square kilometers Of bush was burnt during those nine months you know you know Mm. over 30 people lost their lives so that's that then we've got yeah well that's all part of that whole climate change uh that that's been in the news again and that's really ramping up and that, I believe, is very significant when it comes yes, to Bible prophecy. We've talked right. about that, but I think we'll we'll revisit that. Sure. Um, another big thing that's that's happened. You know, the United States once again, back to the U.S., they've signed. Um, uh, well, the United States was instrumental in bringing about a deal between Israel and the UAE or the United Arab Emirates and yeah. Bahrain, literally back to back. And that's significant because um, there's only two other countries that have diplomatic relations um, with Israel Israel in the Middle East. And they are Egypt, that was back in 1979, and Jordan in 1994. So we've gone from 1979, 1994 to 2020, 26 years since the last time there's two countries lining Mm. up. And they're saying there's going to be a whole heap more if mr trump gets re-elected this is just the beginning of peace in the middle east mm. and so this reminds us of you know the 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 passage there in first thessalonians 5 3 when they say peace and safety then sudden destruction mm. comes upon them not to mention the economy quickly um yeah we have um from the world uh, the world uh The World Food Program, the official World Food Program, that currently, well, before the pandemic, they were feeding about 140 million people who are on the brink of starvation. So these people have to be fed. So this is not, these people are on the brink. If they don't get fed, it's all over. What they're saying is based on COVID, they're looking that number to double.
4: Wow.
1: So in one year, this number will double and the 138, 140 odd million you know, that's been a steady, slow increase over the last couple of decades. It's been going up and down, but we can just see what's, what's taking place there. And um,
0: I think, you know, before you go on to the next one, or your list to whatever, but I think that, you know, most people would realise it was I was, you know, watching a news I- um, interview with somebody who was in the California or Oregon mm. uh, bushfires over there and they're saying, you know, I've lived here a long time, but th- th- this is different. There's mm. this, Something's going on. Those were his words, and I think that a lot of people can see that not any particular one of these uh, individual stories on their own. No, but uh, it's the combination. Correct. You know, we, if one of those stories, I think it would be. Um, we we don't want to be sensational, but the reality is the news today is sensational, and and it, like I say, it's not a single a singular item that we're saying, hey, look at this, this is out of control. Clearly. We see that many, many areas, whether it be the health-wise, whether it be the pandemic, whether it be the the financial fallout from from that, and let's face it, markets were fragile prior to the pandemic, Mm, and we've said that before. Um, Whether it's the social unrest, whether it's the natural disasters, whether it's the environmental movement. The
1: political polarisation. Mm.
0: Whatever you talk about, people are saying something's going on. The world seems to be marching towards some specific climax. And uh, these signs, I think, uh, are telling us that um, when we see these signs and when we see the uh, lineup of um, what Jesus described as the signs of the times just before his return, I think people could recognise that. We're Oops. heading there. And people, you know, regularly we see in the news the words like apocalypse, Armageddon, these kinds of terms. Or biblical proportions. Biblical proportions. Yeah, no. Biblical famines. Biblical famine. Yeah. We've seen that.
1: And um, and and you know an- another really interesting point, you know, we have um, you know, there's been a record number um, of predicted hurricanes this year to hit the United States. Yeah. And that's right. um and just and just this week um, the the headlines were from the Washington Post Five tropical cyclones are in the Atlantic at the same time for only the second time in history. Mm. Five of them are lining up, mm. ready to, to bash and batter the United States. The only other time it's happened was back in 1971, almost wow. half a century okay. ago. So, um, so yeah, like you said, everything's lining up. And then, um, and not to mention, you know, the, the second wave of the pandemic. There in Europe in particular, You know that is causing a lot of unrest and um, frustration and so forth. And as you said, um, you know, Peter, Jesus told us when we see all these things taking place, when hearts, men's hearts are failing them from fear. That's in Luke twenty-one. And the Uh, expectation. Yeah, distress amongst the nations uh, with perplexity. Then Jesus says, "Look up, because your redemption is drawing near." Mm. So these things. Um, are telling us that Jesus is coming soon. So if I've got a message and we have a message for our yep. listeners, it's um, there's no better time than right now for us to give our hearts and lives to Jesus because yep. there's only going to be safety found in His arms of, of love. That's there is right. no safety anywhere yep. else. And so things, things are not going to get any better.
0: No, people are looking for security. They're, they're, you know, they're looking for financial security. They're looking for physical security. You know how, how, Are the communities that people live in safe? to dwell in, uh, they're looking for all of those kinds of things. And obviously, you know, usually when things go wrong, we look to the government. What's the government doing? Has the government going to step in and save us? I noticed that there are a number of people still in the UK and other places around the world, Australians, who've been unable to get flights back to Australia. And uh, what are they expecting? Well, they're expecting the government to step up Mm. and provide what they need. And uh, I think that what we're seeing is... The problems that the world is facing are are beyond a national government to solve. Um, They're they're actually becoming beyond governments combined to solve. And uh, in the end, the Bible tells us that people are in their desperation as world conditions deteriorate, will turn to religion. Mm. However, what we really need to do is turn to God. And that's a different thing altogether uh, it's not religion that God wants us to turn to it 's simply himself mm. and yes of course uh, that's couched in religion but what we're saying is that the God of the Bible uh, is is longing for us to have a relationship with him um, he created us for the purpose of relationship we've said before one of the first things that God said about Adam after he had created him it said Uh, Everything was good. It was a paradise. Everything was good, good, very good. But God said of Adam, it is not good that Mm -hmm. man should be alone. That's right. Uh, God created mankind for relationship. Yes, relationship with other people, but also relationship with him. And so as you say, Danny, as we see the things around us, we just want to say that let us use that as motivation to, Mm. to come to Christ, come to God and uh, be reunited and reconciled with him well we're going to take another break Uh, we're going to have some music and some news Um, we have uh, the Rend collection and they're going to be singing a song My Lighthouse so after this we'll have some uh, music and some news and then we'll come back
3: in my wrestling and in my dance in my failures you you are the peace in my troubled sea, Whoa. you are the peace in my troubled sea, my lighthouse, my lighthouse. Safe to shore
4: Safe to shore
3: Safe to shore Safe to shore I won't feel what tomorrow brings With each morning I'll rise and sing My God's love will You are the peace in my troubled sea oh, oh You are the peace in my troubled sea oh You are my light my lighthouse my lighthouse
4: shining in the darkness I will follow you oh, my lighthouse
3: my lighthouse I will trust the promise You will carry me safe to shore
0: Yes, hello, uh, good afternoon and welcome back to Looking Up here on Faith FM where we look at where the world is headed, what the Bible has to say about the time we live in, what the Bible has to say about the end of the world and the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we've been talking about a number of prophecies in the books of Daniel, Revelation, other places, um, the signs of Matthew 24 and so so on and uh, we're looking at a passage at the moment we are... ...looking at the passage known as the Three Angels' Messages. It's in Revelation chapter 14, verse 6 through 12. And essentially, these are the last messages that go to the world just before Jesus returns. Because you actually see there at the end of chapter 14, Jesus returning as uh, someone with a sickle in his hand to harvest the earth. And so um, these are the last messages. And we've, we've read through part of the first angel's message which is to go to all the world uh, saying fear God and give glory to him because the hour of his judgment has come. And so we've been looking at that phrase. The hour of his judgment has come last week uh, and the week before we looked at the the judgment. We looked at the fact that uh, God is a God of justice, that the world is actually crying out for justice and that God is the most transparent ruler that you could ever hope to meet. And he is laying out before the world and the universe, the way in which he is dealing with the sin problem, how he's going to bring it to a close, how he's going to save all those that can be saved, all those that are willing to be saved. God is doing everything he can to save you and I. And so um, we're looking at the subject of the judgment. Now, we looked at the subject of the judgment is, um, we see it there in Daniel chapter 7. Quite clearly, there's a judgment scene there. We saw last week, I think, with uh, you and Leah, Danny, you talked a little bit about, uh, well, quite a lot about Daniel chapter 8.
1: That's right. And, and the sanctuary. That,
0: and the sanctuary and how that parallels what we see in Daniel chapter 7. And so uh, we're sort of picking up on that a little bit now. I think you mentioned that the starting point, we came to this place that uh, the, the Bible says for 2,300 days, then the sanctuary shall be cleansed. That's Daniel chapter eight fourteen. And so we recognize that in the day for a year, uh, symbolism of Bible prophecy, that those 2,300 days represent 2,300 literal years, the longest time prophecy in the Bible. And uh, then we were looking for, well, when does it begin? We can see from Daniel chapter 8 that that prophecy begins in the time of the Medo-Persian Empire because it starts with the ram, and we're told very clearly that the ram Represents that Medo-Persian Empire. So it begins sometime in the Persian period, um, but we don't have a specific date. And it's actually in Daniel chapter 9 when we find that. And we're going to look at Daniel chapter 9 uh, today. Uh, We're also going to be looking at uh, some of the Messianic prophecies in the Old Testament. Because when Jesus came, the Jewish people were expecting a Messiah. They were looking for Mm -hmm. the Messiah because the Old Testament had prophesied such a Messiah. So what we want to look at today in our program is, is Jesus the Messiah? How can we know that? How can we be sure of that? Um, Who was Jesus anyway? We want to look at these kind of questions because uh, Jesus is a phenomenal figure in history, just in terms of the amount of attention that he gets, even today. So, for instance, um, you know, last year, uh, Kanye West put out uh, an album called Jesus Is King, right? Uh, So Kanye West, one of the four most popular recording artists at the moment, um, and he puts out an album called Jesus Is King, all right, um, I'm, I'm looking right now at a couple of magazine covers from National Geographic. Now, National Geographic isn't typically a religious magazine. However, on the cover of National Geographic in December 2017, they've got an image uh, there, a painting, I guess, of Jesus, the real Jesus, what archaeology reveals about his life. And then back in uh, 2016, there was a special edition of National Geographic And it says the story of Jesus. So it's kind of is the character that won't go away, right? Whether you believe in him, whether you don't, whether you believe he's the son of God, whether you believe that he was a good man, whatever you might believe about Jesus, he is constantly drawing attention and people still want to talk about him, still writing articles, publishing books, writing songs, all of that stuff. And uh, I just want to take us back, Danny, to December 1999. In December 1999, Time magazine, the U.S. news magazine, had a painting of Jesus on the front cover, and it says, Jesus at 2,000, um, and it's, it's talking about um, Jesus and his impact. You know, Danny, you may have noticed this, that as we you know get to December, around Christmas time they will often have a news program that kind of has the re- the, the news of the year in review
4: mm-hmm, where yeah. they look back That's right.
0: over the news or they might look back over the sporting events of the year or the entertainment events of the year and they just sort of have the, the year in review, right? And I guess most of us do that come Christmas time. we we'll take a look back what what's happened in the year gone by. When you come to the end of a decade, a similar thing occurs when you come to the end of a century. You come to the end of a millennium... There's a lot to look back on, and now they're t- talking here in this magazine, December nineteen ninety nine. The headline: Jesus at two thousand. Inside, it says the single most powerful figure, not merely in these two millenniums, but in all human history, has been Jesus of Nazareth.
1: Wow, that's a huge claim.
0: That is a massive claim, isn't it? So that's that's the uh, journalist Reynolds Price who's writing that. Mm. And if you think about it, you're thinking, well, you know, that's bold. It's because he's saying the single most powerful figure,
1: mm.
0: not in just the last 2,000 years, but in the entire history of the world.
1: Like in 6,000 years of human yeah, history.
0: thousands of years of history, Jesus of Nazareth. Mm. And so why would he, what are your thoughts? Why would he make that claim, for instance, do you think?
1: Well, as I was thinking about what you were sharing and this statement in particular, uh, obviously Jesus Christ, he is followed. Worship revered by you know some two billion Christians around the world. You know we've got what nearly nearly eight billion people. So so two point three billion. That's right. So more than twenty five percent of the world's population um, followers are followers, and then on top of that, you have a number of religions around the world. Um, Like in Islam, he is seen as a prophet. Yep. not not as the son of God, but as a prophet. That's right. And um, a one point eight
0: billion people. Yeah,
1: one point eight billion people. So add them to the list. So you're up to four billion people already. That's more than half the world's population. And then in um, in Buddhism, you know, his teachings and his sayings are are, are very prominent. And um, you got well respected. Very much so. Um, and. And so you have, you know, you have you have Mahatma Gandhi, yeah, um, and you know he has a, a great following in his philosophy, and he he esteemed Jesus Christ mm. and his teachings right up there. And so, and you also have, and not to mention that, but just in in secularist society, mm. um, the principles like the Sermon on the Mount that yeah. we find there in Matthew five to seven, those principles are, are held very near and dear. The golden rule. Yeah, there is. I mean, regardless of regardless of politics, you've got politicians on both sides. Of the spectrum, yeah. will, you know, when it's convenient, um, regardless of whether they're believers or not we'll in Jesus, scripture. they'll reference scripture. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even our friend Donald Trump.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you know, he's, he's not necessarily a religious person. He, um, he, and he says that himself. Yeah. I mean, he, I'm not sure what he's a Presbyterian. You wouldn't call him the
0: most no. faithful man in no, town. Anyway. Yeah. But he's happy to hold a Bible in the, the church. He's happy to hold the Bible in front of the
1: church, yeah? yeah, exactly right. So so you have you have Jesus Christ and his message prominent um, in the movie industry as well, um, you know, and um, music industry and so on and so forth. I could go mm. on, but yeah, right across he the He is board.
0: a unique figure in that regard Absolutely. because not only, like you say, there's very few people who actually say Jesus is bad right or, or now we you know people trot out his name as a swear word or as just a throw away word um it's very interesting in that regard so what we want to know uh you know what i was thinking about Danny is there are more songs written about this man than any other individual in the history of the world there have been more books written about this man than any of the history, you know figure in the history of the world there been more buildings built to his glory than any other the more schools opened mm. to his honour, more hospitals opened to his honour than any other individual in more poets, more statues chiselled to this man than any other figure in the history of the world. And by that measure alone, he has had a massive impact on the human race. So we want to know, did Jesus really exist? Uh, what can we know? Well. There are actually what is called extra-biblical sources. That is that there are sources outside of the Bible that mention Jesus as a historical figure. Right? Whatever people may believe about him spiritually, there are sources outside of Christianity that actually reference him as a real person. So uh, let's read one of those. One of those is Flavius Josephus. Flavius Josephus was a Jewish uh, Roman historian. Uh, he was present in the um, first century. In fact, he was present at the destruction of Jerusalem in 1870, wrote about those things. And um, he mentions that uh, he, he says there was about this time Jesus, a wise man, if it be lawful to call him a man, for he was a doer of wonderful works, a teacher of such men as received the truth with pleasure. He drew over to him both many of the Jews and many of the Gentiles. That's non-Jews. He was the Christ. He just drops that in there, Uh, Josephus. He was the Christ, and when Pilate, that's Pontius Pilate, at the suggestion of the principal men among us, had condemned him to the cross, those that loved him in the first did not forsake him, for he appeared to them alive again the third day, as the divine prophets had foretold these and 10,000 other wonderful things concerning him. And the tribe of Christians so named from him are not extinct at this time, at this day. So Josephus is writing mm. in the first century, clearly referencing Jesus as a real historical figure. Um, then you have Tacitus. Tacitus was a Roman senator and historian. And what's interesting in this one, Tacitus was not complimentary about Christianity. So he is not like trying to promote Christianity or promote Jesus Christ. Um, and he talks about the Roman Emperor Nero in the first century. He says, uh, Nero fastened the guilt and inflicted the most exquisite tortures on a class hated for their abominations called Christians by the populace. Here he's talking about the burning of Rome, and mm. Nero essentially blamed it on the Christians. Right. And it says, Christus, from whom the name had its origin, suffered the extreme penalty during the reign of Tiberius at the hands of one of our procurators, Pontius Pilate. Mm. These details are affirmed in the New Testament, but here we have secular historians referencing the fact that there was, his name was Christ, the people were called Christians, he was put to death, it was the time of Tiberius, it was under Pontius Pilate. All of these details are also recorded in the New Testament. Mm, that's right. And so uh, here is someone who is opposed to Christianity but he's actually affirming some of those details, Mm. which is interesting. The next one is um, a man by the name of Pliny the Younger. I guess there must have been a Pliny the Older, but this is Pliny the Younger, um, and he lived between 61 uh, and 112 AD, and uh, he was a Roman governor of Bithynia and Pontus, and he's writing a letter to Emperor Trajan, okay, and he says of Christians, he says they were accustomed to meet on a fixed day before dawn and sing responsively a hymn to Christ as to a God. Wow. This is interesting because, again, he's not Christian. He's not trying to promote Christianity. He's not in favor of Christianity. He's simply describing the practice of Christians. And he's saying that they would gather together, they would sing to Christ as to a God. This is fascinating, of course, because there are many conspiracy theorists who say, oh, well, Jesus was only promoted to divine status in the 300s, Mm. right? Mm. You may have uh, heard of uh, the Da Vinci Code and things like that. That's right. That's the idea behind that movie. But here, clearly, we have a very early source recognizing that his followers would sing to him as to a god, Mm. which I think is fascinating.
1: Absolutely, and um, because, yeah, as you pointed out, there are many that, that believe that under Constantine, um, Jesus was you know, given that elevated. divinity, elevated to divinity. Mm.
0: So we, the fascinating stuff that the, these are extra-biblical sources. When we come back, we're going to look at some more reliable sources, the eyewitnesses, people who actually knew Jesus. We're going to talk about them. So make sure you come back with us. We're going to go to some music, Amy Grant. And she's singing a song called Our Time Is Now. I think it is. And so listen and we'll see you soon. One, two, one, two, three, four.
5: January, February, March, the days are marching. It's almost over. November, December, arrived another year
0: was Amy Grant and our time is now. Thank you for continuing to stay with us here on Faith FM and the afternoon show. Looking up, we are discussing the identity of Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, and we are talking about how do we know he is who he says he is? Now, if you'd like to make a co- uh, comment or a uh, have a question that you'd like to contribute to our discussion today, um, you can call us on 1800 324 843. That is 1800 324 843. Alternatively, you can text in on 0491 064 669. That is 0491 064 669. So, we talked earlier about those extra biblical sources, Danny,
6: mm-hmm.
0: uh, those sources outside of the Bible, not necessarily friendly to Christianity. That confirm the existence of Jesus and some of the details around his death, around the characters around him. Um, but let's take a look at what would be the earliest sources, the primary sources, as it were, in regards to the character of Jesus, and that would be the New Testament. These are the the uh, records of people who knew Jesus, who actually eyewitnesses. Eyewitnesses. They they not only you know saw him once briefly out of a window. But these were people who actually walked and talked and lived with him for years on the road. Mm. And so that's when you really get to know a person. Uh, I mean, I could bluff and probably pull the wool over people's eyes if they're just listening to people on the radio, you know, if they don't really know you. But when you live with somebody Mm. over a period of not only days, but weeks and months, but years... And you're eating with them, you're sleeping in the same place, you're walking the roads with them, you're going from town to town, you're hearing that person teach, you're seeing that person interact with people, you get a pretty good idea of who that person is, right? And uh, evidently, the apostles did not think Jesus was a fraud, even though they witnessed significant parts of his life. Uh, They testified of his authenticity. And so, You have some of the claims that his followers wrote down that Jesus makes. Now, these are just claims, it doesn't mean they're true, but they are extraordinary claims for any normal person to make. So, for instance, he says, and I think you covered this last week, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Mm -hmm. No one comes to the Father except through me. Well, the Bible says, Our Father, which art in heaven. So, the Father's in heaven. Essentially, Jesus is saying here, I'm the way to get to heaven. I'm the way. Uh, You don't get to heaven, you don't get to the Father in heaven without me. Mm. That's a very exclusive claim to make. Yeah. Right? Uh, That's not the kind of claim that a normal person makes. Uh, Another one was where Jesus says, um, before Abraham was, I am. And he's using a phrase there that we find in the Old Testament. He's really identifying himself as the God of the Old Testament. Um, and That's right. the people there knew that they tried to stone him to death for making that claim.
1: That they they believed he was speaking blasphemy.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's claiming making, to be God. I'm claim before Abraham, and now of course Abraham lived two thousand years before Jesus mm. walked the earth. So even saying before Abraham was I was would be bold enough, but he's saying before Abraham was I am, and he's identifying himself as the God of the Bible. Another claim he makes, he says um, that he was around before the world was.
4: Mm.
0: We find that in John 17, verse 5. And then in John 8, 23, it says, he says to the crowd, you are from beneath, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. Wow! Can you imagine? I mean, if I was in a crowd of people <laughs> and I said, you're from this planet, but I'm from out of this world. You know, you have to... It's only a certain type of person who would say that.
1: People do say that, and they generally... People um, do say yeah, that. They're, they're, they're escorted to yeah, a, particular, institutions. a particular facility. That's right.
0: <laughs> and here's one other thing he said. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. In other words, he's saying, I have the power to bring you back to life if you die. mm These are extraordinary claims and they haven't gone unnoticed. Many people might uh, know the name of C.S. Lewis from the Chronicles of Narnia, the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, those children's stories that many people have read. And um, C.S. Lewis wrote those stories. But of course, C.S. Lewis was also quite a theologian and he worked at, uh, lectured at Oxford University. And uh, I want you to notice what, c.s lewis says about the claims of jesus maybe you want to read these danny if you've got that there would you read the uh statements there uh that c.s lewis makes about the claims that jesus is making Mm,
1: indeed this is what he says i'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him i'm ready to accept jesus as a great moral teacher but I don't accept him, his claim to be God. That is, one of the, that is one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. And then he goes on. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he's a poached egg.
0: That's quite a funny statement.
1: <laughs> That's very, very humorous. Or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit on him and kill him as a demon or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. So he's mm. basically saying either he's a liar or... A lunatic or he is the real deal. He right. is the
0: Lord. Those are really your only options. When you say things like, I don't come from this world or I, was the, I existed before this world began. Those kind of statements. Or, or you your, come to the Father through me. Yeah. Or, yeah, or he's equating himself with the mm. God of the Old Testament. Those are either the statements of a madman or they're the statements of a con man or they're True. But they're not the comment. They're not the comments of a sane, honest person. Mm. You see the difference,
1: absolutely.
4: And of
0: course, what what C.S. Lewis is saying here, and this is the thing that most people do say, they say, "Oh, I think Jesus was a good man," right, or he's a good teacher, okay, or maybe he was a prophet. But the very things he said would rule that out, because mm. he's either telling lies, or he's just out of his mind, or he's actually Telling the truth, and the reality is, the people that lived with him and knew him best believed the latter. They believed that he was actually the Son of God. He was God in the flesh.
1: And it's not just the people that lived with him. You're speaking of the of the of the disciples that journeyed with him, but it's also those who were associated with him. There yeah. were there were many. Um, hundred and twenty. Paul records um, that that witnessed Jesus go up to heaven.
0: Yeah. And even uh, even from the perspective of the fact, I believe it. I believe that Jesus is who he says he was. You believe it. And we live some 2,000 years later. But based on the testimony of eyewitnesses, based on the evidence that we have seen, we believe that those claims are true. Now, when you think of it in terms of uh, his influence, you know, What's the date today, Danny? Well, uh, this is going to date the program, so maybe we shouldn't say that, but it's the 16th of September, 2020. But here's the thing. Why is it 2020? Why is it 2020? Why is this year 2020? Uh, it's 20- AD. AD. It's 2020 because essentially something happened 2020 years ago. All right? Approximately 2020 years ago, something happened. And that something was the birth of Jesus. In other words, history has been divided by the birth of Jesus. You have BC, before Christ, and you have AD, which is Latin, which is Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. So Jesus divides time. And any time you write an email, any time you send a tweet, it it has the date and the time. Listed. So every time you read an email, time you st- uh, send an email, anytime you're reading a, a news website, anytime you send a twist, a tweet, <laughs> a tweet, <laughs> anytime you send it, you are affirming that something happened 2020 years ago.
1: Yeah, it's phenomenal. So, so this is so significant, just that point alone, that Jesus Christ is, is the one who has divided history. human history, the yeah. only person on the planet that has that that has walked this earth that is that has that honour um, of dividing history. That's 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 absolutely mind boggling. Yeah.
0: I think what we'll do is we're gonna look at some more we're gonna to continue to look at some more of these um, Messianic prophecies in in the Bible. I think we, we may have too much material and we might have to do Daniel nine next week, which we mm. can do. Um, But I just wanted to point out some other things because I think this is very fascinating stuff for people to understand because it's one thing for people to say, well, you know, I have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ or that's my family tradition. Mm. Grandma believed in Jesus, so I believe in Jesus, you know, whereas there's a lot of uh, detailed evidence. There's a lot of um, reason to put faith in who Jesus claimed to be. And uh, that's what we want to look at. You know, back in 2013, um, Prince William and his wife Catherine, they were expecting their first baby, which uh, turned out to be Prince George Alexander Louis, Windsor. But um, prior to his birth, of course, everybody's very interested in the birth of that child. Why? Because it's born to be king. It's going to be born to grow up and sit on the throne one day, right? And so everybody's interested in the royal baby, right? But a month before, here in Sydney, in the uh, the Sunday Telegraph, there was a lift out, and uh, it had on the front a picture of a baby with a crown on its head. This is about a month before the child is born, right? Mm-hmm. And it says, uh, Oh, baby, is this the world's most anticipated childbirth since Jesus? Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> And I thought, isn't that fascinating? This is an article about the impending delivery of Prince George, right? And yet they're, and of course everybody's anticipating it. Why? Because Catherine got pregnant nine months previous, and we know that nine months later a baby's going to arrive. and so that's why people are anticipating it. But what they there was a profound statement in here that I'm suspecting many might have missed, mm. and that is that the birth of Jesus was anticipated, and it was not anticipated nine months in advance like Prince George was. It was anticipated more than 900 years in advance.
1: I would say, I would go one step further, uh, Peter. It was anticipated 4,000 years well, yes, before, right. because the first promise of a messiah was given to adam and eve in the that, garden of in Eden? the garden of Eden, that's genesis 3. the 15. seed of the woman the seed of the woman and it's interesting when when eve had her first baby her first baby boy cain she named she named him cain which means the man mm. the man and um and when you take a look at the hebrew there it's very much specifically pointing to her belief that he would be the promised messiah that they received There in the garden in Genesis 3.15 before they had to leave the garden. So ever since the beginning of time, you know, Adam and Eve and their descendants, God's people, have looked forward to the Messiah, the Deliverer, the Anointed One.
0: In fact, Eve says, this is uh, Genesis 4.1. And it says, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain. And she said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Mm. In the Hebrew, it says, I have acquired a man from the Lord.
1: Lord." The Lord. There you go, yeah. Which
0: is really fascinating because she was aware of the promise, the seed of the woman would trample the head of the serpent, Mm. uh, would defeat the devil, essentially. And uh, she was hoping, and I think every Hebrew woman thereafter, uh, every woman that had faith in God was hoping that she would be the one to bring forth the child that would be that Messiah mm. and so you're right Danny it goes back even that far but I thought that was fascinating because Jesus was anticipated mm. hundreds, thousands of years in advance and uh, what's fascinating to me is that in his, in his life there are over 300 prophecies and allusions to the life of Christ in the Old Testament. Mm, That's right. Right? And Jesus fulfilled all of those in his life. And uh, we'll talk about some of those uh, in a moment. For instance, we're going to talk about the place of his birth. We're going to talk about the family he was born into. We're going to talk about uh, the period of time in history that the Messiah would appear. These things you cannot manufacture yourself, right? You can't decide where you're going to be born. You can't decide what your family name's going to be. You can't decide the town that you're going to be born in and so forth. So we're going to come back and look at some of those fascinating items in our next segment. We have some more music now. It's Anna Beden, and uh, appropriately, the song is He Lives. So uh, we hope that you'll enjoy listening to this. Anna Beden, He Lives.
6: God sent his son They called him Jesus He came to love Heal and forgive he lived and died to buy my pardon an empty grave is that to prove my savior leave. To hold a newborn baby and feel the pride and joy he gives, but gracious greater still.
0: That was Anna Beden and He Lives. You are listening to Faith FM and the afternoon show, looking up with me, Peter Watts, and my good friend and co-host, Danny Milinkov. We've been looking today at the subject of Jesus and Jesus of Nazareth. And how can we tell, how do we know that Jesus of Nazareth is actually the Son of God? He's actually God come to earth in the flesh. How can we know that? Um, Obviously, that's what... Christians believe Um, we've demonstrated that Jesus is an historical figure. There are uh, a number of resources or sources rather outside of the Bible that uh, affirm and confirm that. But again, we wanted to look at the eyewitness accounts and we've discovered that in the Old Testament and the Old Testament was written from about 1500 BC through to about 400 BC. And it really is three quarters of the Bible. Um, And it was uh, the last writings of the Old Testament, about 400 years before the birth of Christ, um, well established. And uh, it contains these prophecies and allusions to the life of Christ. And there are many things written aforetime about the life of Jesus. One of which, for instance, is the fact that he was born in Bethlehem, and, you know, a lot of people will probably have picked up some of these details in the Christmas story, Danny. That's right, yeah. You know, we sing songs like, "O Little Town of Bethlehem, um, and many people will, uh, you know, one of my favourite Christmas carols is um, We Three Kings of Orient Are. Yeah. Now, the Bible doesn't say there were three wise men, but it says there were wise men from the east. And oh, there were three gifts. And there were a lot three of people, gifts. That's the assumption, believe, isn't yeah, it? the assumption is that they... Gold, frankincense and myrrh. That's right. And uh, But you, if, if you remember that story, these three wise men or these wise men from the east came from somewhere in the Mesopotamian region perhaps, came to Jerusalem following a star looking for the one who was going to be born King of the Jews. Mm. And uh, they come to Jerusalem and say... Where is he who's going to be born king of the Jews? And King Herod, who was the king of the Jews at the time, he's getting a bit concerned about this. Is the birth of this new child who's going to be king of the Jews. I thought I was king of the Jews.
1: He wasn't as excited as he the was, royal baby uh, fans. No, he, he
0: wasn't as excited. And uh, so do you know what they did? Herod called for the scribes and he says, look it up. Where is the Messiah going to be born? And it just blows my mind that there in Jerusalem, they've got copies of the scriptures written hundreds of years before. They look it up. Oh, he's going to be born in Bethlehem. And the wise men say, thanks very much. And off they trot down to Bethlehem to see the newborn child. And it's just incredible to me that there is God's people in Jerusalem. They have in their hands the scrolls that tell them where the Messiah is going to be born. There's this mysterious star in the sky. These wise men from the east come and say, we're looking for... And off they go to witness the newborn child. And yet the people of God in Jerusalem, with a Bible in their hand, they don't go. And I find that amazing that here they have written down hundreds of years in advance, and this is what they read. It's, this is written 700 years before the birth of Jesus, and it comes from Micah 5.2 in the Old Testament. It says, But you, Bethlehem Ephratah, we'll come to that in a minute, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth are from of old from everlasting. How mm. long is everlasting, Danny?
1: It is, as it says, <laughs> It forever. lasts forever.
0: Mm. Right. So in other words, from eternity, mm. one is going to be born there in Bethlehem, who is going to be the ruler of Israel. Okay. And this is written 700 years now. It says, you Bethlehem Ephratah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah. So this is Bethlehem in Judah. Mm. And that's significant because in the first century, there were two Bethlehems. In the territory we commonly think of as Israel. In fact, up north, uh, near uh, Nazareth, there was a Bethlehem up north. And that's... And that's significant because they came from Nazareth. Mary and Joseph came from Nazareth and they could have thought, "Well, just go down the road, right? But the Bible had said Bethlehem in Judah. Hmm. And you might be thinking, I mean... If, Joseph, if Mary's going to bring forth the Christ child, she comes from Nazareth. She's betrothed to Joseph, who's in also in Nazareth, which is in the north of the country.
1: About 90 to 100 kilometers. About separated. 90 to 100
0: kilometers in distance away from Bethlehem. But there's a census called mm. by the Roman Emperor. And people are caused... To have to go to their ancestral home, the home of their ancestral family, which just so happened to be King David. Mm -hmm. And so they go to the city of David, which is Bethlehem, and that's where Jesus happens to be born. And it's interesting. Amazing.
1: Bethlehem means house of bread.
0: It and, it, well, Jesus,
1: and Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Don't get me started. <laughs> the a whole sermon begins. there. He, it's phenomenal.
0: He went to the house of bread. He was born in the house of bread and from there he fed the world. Mm. It is amazing. Anyway, so just that one, one verse that he would be born in Bethlehem and in actual fact, even though his family did not come from Bethlehem, he ends up being born in Bethlehem. Now, that's just amazing. God knew hundreds of years in advance that that census would be taken, mm. that they would have to travel from Nazareth down to Bethlehem and that Mary would be delivered of the child in Bethlehem. And, uh, and we sing about it every Christmas. Absolutely. You know, that's an amazing thing to me. So that was just one, uh, one thing. There were other Old Testament prophecies, what we call messianic prophecies. Now, a messiah is, simply means the anointed one.
1: Or deliverer.
0: Yeah, or deliverer. So um, this is, in other words, God's specially anointed deliverer.
1: And in the Greek, it's Christ. That, Correct. That's where we get that's where we get the word Christ from
0: Messiah. The word Messiah, Hebrew, Greek, Christ, English, the Anointed One. And so there are numbers of prophecies in the Old Testament that tell us things about the life of this Messiah and that Jesus fulfilled in His life. So, for instance. 700 years in advance in the, the book uh, of Isaiah, chapter 7, verse 14. Maybe you'd like to read that, Danny. Sure.
1: Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name
0: Emmanuel. All right. So that's fascinating enough because uh, A, it says, a virgin shall conceive. And she'll call his name Emmanuel. So so a, a virgin, going to give birth to a son, and it will be called Emmanuel. Now, we're told in the Bible that Emmanuel means God with us. Uh, and that's uh, emphasized when you come to the New Testament as well. And, uh, of course, Mary, uh, we read the story of Mary that she was betrothed, I guess you'd say engaged, engaged.
1: to engaged.
0: Joseph but they had not slept together they hadn't come together and she's found with child of yeah. the holy spirit and joseph when he finds out he doesn't go for the story he doesn't he doesn't believe he's he's going to try and put away mary quietly yeah. she's pregnant you know if if you were going out with a girl and you were planning to get married and she says by the way i'm pregnant i'm expecting a child yeah. and you, and if you hadn't touched her at that point You'd be saying, well, I don't think we're getting married anymore. Then. <laughs> you know, because you yeah. would think she's been with somebody. Yeah, been unfaithful. Right, she's been unfaithful. And you can't, you know, we sometimes overlook this part of the story, but that would have been incredibly difficult for Mary to live with all the innuendo, all the stories, all the gossip of that first century context in which she was living in um, that she had conceived by the Holy Spirit she'd have been visited by God, and she had conceived miraculously mm. joseph he's not buying it, and he is determined he doesn't want to hurt Mary, but he 's going to put her away quietly, in other words, he's going to sort of okay we 're going to back away from this marriage situation because obviously Mary must have been with somebody. Mm. And he still loves Mary. He doesn't want to hurt her, so he's going to put her away quietly. He doesn't want to make a scene. doesn't want to make a scandal or a spectacle of her. But then God visits Joseph mm. and says, Don't be afraid to take Mary to be your wife, because that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Mm. And something happens to Joseph because Joseph says, Okay, I will, which in that culture would have been unheard of. Mm. that you just take on a woman who's pregnant with somebody else's child. But because they understood that it was God who had brought this about, then um, the virgin conceived and bore a son, and his name was Emmanuel, which means God with us. Mm. And so that's uh, amazing. Um, There's another fascinating uh, prophecy in Zechariah uh, 11, 12, Written 400 years before Christ's birth, and it talks about his betrayal. It talks about the betrayal of Jesus, and it says, So they weighed out for my wages 30 pieces of silver. Now, this is referencing the betrayal of Jesus by Judas, one of the 12 disciples. So many will remember perhaps the Last Supper. Judas was there and he went out and he betrayed Jesus. And he says, you know, I'll betray Jesus to you, to the chief priests and the scribes and the authorities. I'll betray Jesus to you. How much, you know, what will you give me? And they said, we'll give you 30 pieces of silver. Mm. Now, this, pro- this prophecy is written down 400 years in advance. How did Zechariah know that, that silver would even be the currency mm. at the time of Jesus, some hundreds of years later? And, of course, we have in Matthew chapter 118. Maybe you want to read that, Danny?
1: Sure. It says, Then one of the twelve called Judas Iscariot went to the chief priests and said, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver.
0: I mean, that's just amazing. And so that that level of accuracy, it's not just some silver. It's not just some money. It's... Silver money and it's 30 pieces of Mm. silver money.
1: And that prophecy goes on and shares how that money will be returned, which Judas did return those 30 pieces of silver when he said, "I've, I've betrayed innocent blood. And the prophecy goes on to share that they would buy a potter's field where strangers would be buried. Yep. And so that's exactly what they did with that money.
0: And we have visited Jerusalem, Danny, and we can actually see where that potter's field was. I've, I've seen the place where that potter's field that mm. they purchased was and uh, a fascinating prophecy. Uh, another one that we uh, reference is in the death of Jesus or leading up to the death of Jesus at the Last Supper, written about a 1,000 years before Jesus was born. Um in Psalm 41, verse 9, it says, Even my own familiar friend, in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. And um, it talks about uh, Judas and the bread and his betrayal in uh, John 13, 26, where it says, because uh, they said to Jesus, Who's going to betray you? Jesus is one at the table here. He's going to betray mm-hmm. me. Who,
1: who I
4: give this bread is to. It, is
0: it I? Mm. And uh, it's, he says, it is he to whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And Judas went out and betrayed Jesus. So you have so many of these, um, you know, in Isaiah 50, verse 6, it says, I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who plucked out my beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. And, of course, all these things happened to Jesus around the crucifixion. We can read about it in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26. They spattered, his, they beat him, and they struck him with the palms of his hands. Um, just incredible yeah. to think of that. One of the ones that fascinates me the most, perhaps. Go ahead, Denny.
1: I was going to say, in, re- in regards to Isaiah, um, that that's a significant uh, book of the Bible because That is uh, one of the few books that has been found amongst the Dead Sea Scrolls in its entirety. Yes. Um, And I think there's a number of um, uh, scrolls of Isaiah that have been found. And you and I were there. I think there's two full
0: copies of the scroll of Isaiah. Yeah,
1: there's one there in 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 that museum. The shrine of the book. The shrine of the book. And it's the centerpiece. Yep. Um, the entire scroll is about seven odd meters yes. and so and that's been dated to the second century BC. Yes. So these prophecies we can know we are, know for sure are the real deal because they've been dated through the Dead Sea Scroll's discovery, which is I guess the, the greatest discovery in Bible archaeology in uh, yeah. history.
0: Yeah, for sure. And it affirms the fact that these prophecies existed prior to Jesus birth that's right Prior to his life, prior to his crucifixion. And uh, so, yeah, fascinating stuff. I'm going to pick up another one um, in a few moments, but we're going to take some music first. So let's take a break. Jake Reese is going to sing Day to Feel Alive. And I think today's a good day to feel alive. It is a good day. Let's hear some music. We'll come back.
2: I've been a poor man and I've been a king So far from done. I have been hopeless and I've had my faith. Some things I've lost and some things I have saved. All of these moments showed me the way that I've gone. Good to know there's so much to live for.
0: Yes, hello and welcome back. It's great to have you back with us this afternoon here on Faith FM and our show called Looking Up with me, Peter Watson, my good friend and co-host, the wonderful Danny Milenko. Oh, you're
1: too nice. Too
4: (laughs) Too
0: kind, too (laughs) kind. So we have a free offer coming up a little later. Uh, that we'll get people to phone in for. Uh, What's our free offer for this week, Danny?
1: Oh, it's a fantastic book. The classic on having a relationship with Jesus, which is what we've been talking about. He's Mm. been our our central figure in this afternoon's program. The book is Steps to Christ. Steps to Christ. Steps Uh, to Christ. A a book written over a century ago, but Mm. just a classic.
0: I've read that book a number of times, and every time I read that book, it's like reading the book like a new book. Mm. Uh, I read it again, and I think that is such a, a fantastic book, in terms of its simplicity, but its clarity in terms of uh, how to take steps, literally how to take steps. Literally, to yeah. And, and the,
1: the book, the book helps you from um, from the beginning to the end. Thirteen small chapters, and it's just a, such a blessing.
0: Sounds good. Now, I was going to throw to you for something else, and I forgot. What yes, that was.
1: indeed. Um, now, what what we would like to do is is give an invitation to anyone. And everyone who is out there who would like to get to know Jesus more through Bible studies. Um, you may have considered um, doing some Bible studies, learning more about what the Bible has to say about Jesus, about about various subjects and topics that, that he spoke of that have um, transformed the lives of millions and billions of people around the world in the last 2,000 years. We have individuals that specialize and they look forward to studying the Bible one-on-one with individuals who have an interest in studying what the Bible has to say on all these important subjects. So that can be done in person, uh, that can be done on the phone, uh, that can be done via Zoom, um, whatever you are comfortable with. So if you're interested, please give us a call and we will put you in touch with someone who will study the Bible with you. And uh, those numbers are 1-800-324-843 or you can text us 0491-064-669 and just simply text, you know, wanting to do Bible studies Mm. with someone and we will enable
0: you to do that. Because there's nothing quite like that. I mean, we we are uh, obviously sharing uh, information through the the radio here, and uh, people can look up you know good resources online and so forth. But there's nothing quite like no. being in a Bible study with another individual, being able to talk through the various scriptures and what their meaning is and what the experiences of the individuals as they I- interact with the scriptures. But also being able to ask questions, you mm. know. Um, so there's nothing quite like that. So I recommend that entirely uh, to people. It's the way I got to learn about. Uh, the Bible and God and sacred history and so forth. So uh, we recommend that to you. Well, before the break, we were talking uh, about some of the Messianic prophecies, that is those prophecies that we find in the Old Testament, both prophecies and allusions to the life of the Messiah, that Jesus in his life fulfilled when he came some 2000 years ago. So, I just want to pick up on another one of those. And this is, again, it's about a thousand years in advance. And uh, this is like David, and he's kind of reiterating the experience that Jesus would have on the cross. And he says in Psalm 22, verse 16, They pierced my hands and my feet. And here he's uh, referencing the crucifixion. And what's fascinating about this is that Crucifixion wasn't a method of punishment at the time of King David. Uh, So when he's talking about this, he's talking about a future event. You know, the cross, we kind of sometimes romanticize the cross and people wear crosses around their necks and in their earrings and all sorts. Um, And we kind of sometimes, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Sentimentalize. I think, the cross. But in the reality is that the cross was a brutal form of Roman punishment. And uh, Jesus, of course, was not the only one to die on a cross. He was not the only one who was crucified. There were many, many people in and around the first century there that were crucified by the Romans. And it was a particularly cruel form of punishment mm. because the idea was not just to execute you, they had many ways of executing people.
1: Well, the the word crucifixion comes from the Latin word excruciates, mm-hmm. which we get the English word excruciating from. So it was it was designed to, it was designed to be a torture that would last anywhere up to three to even seven days. Yeah. Um, Depending on depending on the mercy of the Romans, if they yeah. smash your kneecaps and prevent you from from raising yourself up to breathe, mm. and so it was excruciating pain.
0: Yeah, and that word excruci- excruciating means out of pain mm. from out of the cross. Mm. That's what it literally means. So, so yeah. So when David writes a thousand years prior to the death of Christ, they pierced my hands and my feet. He is basically describing what Jesus would go through uh, at that point. Um, there's another one here in Psalm 22, verse 18. It says they divide my garments among them and for my clothing, they cast lots. And then we come a thousand years later to Matthew chapter 27, verse 35. It says, then they crucified him and they divided his garments, cast in lots. And so they gambled. Essentially, they stripped Jesus naked, took the clothes off him that he wore and they gambled for his garments. Mm. And it's fascinating, Danny, you and I have been to Jerusalem and we have seen some of the excavated remains of Jerusalem. And I particularly remember seeing some of the paving stones where Roman soldiers had carved little games into the stone of those pavers, those ancient pavers from 2000 years ago. And the Roman soldiers would carve these little games into the rock and they would play games and they would gamble. Over these games. That's right. Um, And it's fascinating to be able to see that and to remember these verses that tell us that they gambled over the clothes of Jesus. These
1: are very specific prophecies. I mean, there's no ambiguity here. It's it's not symbolic. Um, These are very specific, literal prophecies. Mm. And if I could just add, Peter, um, in between verse 16 and verse 18 of Psalm 22, it's worth reading the entire chapter, but you've got verse 17 there, which is once again another prophecy. And I'll just read it. Verse 17. I can count all my bones. They look at me. Sorry, they look and stare at me. Mm-hmm. I just shared earlier on that um, often the the Roman soldiers, um, in order to have some kind of basic human pity and mercy upon the the poor victim on the cross would smash their knees or their kneecaps um, in order to in order to stop the person from from raising them yeah from having the strength and and now being able to raise themselves up in order to breathe because that's how you would ultimately die of asphyxiation that's literally how you die and They smashed the legs. To quicken the death process. Yeah, to quicken the death process. They smashed the legs of the two uh, individuals that were crucified on either side of Jesus, the Bible tells us. But when they came to Jesus, they didn't smash his legs as they did to the other two because he was already dead. Instead, the Bible says um, the Roman soldier. He put a spear through the side of Jesus to affirm, to affirm that he had died, and blood and water had come through. Yep. So, and that's another story as well. There's more to it, but um, well, yeah. But once again, that's tapping into this prophecy that all of his bones would remain intact. And if I could just add to that, the Passover lamb, when yeah. that was eaten. Uh, the bones were not to be broken Mm. because the Passover lamb represented Jesus who would not experience one of his bones that were broken, Mm. but his heart was instead broken.
0: Yeah, that is fascinating, Danny. You see, there are so much of this stuff. As we mentioned, there are some 300 prophecies or allusions Mm. to the life of Christ. We are not going to go through them all today. Um, But what we wanted to do is give a spattering of those, a smattering of those so that people understand that this is a broad topic that um, Jesus was whom his disciples claimed him to be. And he's demonstrated that time and time again. There's a passage here, Danny. Uh, we mentioned Isaiah before, written some 700 years prior to the birth of Christ. And uh, I wondered if you'd like to read this. It's a fairly lengthy passage from Isaiah. But but it's then very I want, powerful. I very want to powerful. comment on it because it's mm-hmm. written 700 years before Christ. If you could read through that passage for us, I think that would be helpful. Oh,
1: well, indeed. So this is from Isaiah chapter 53, and we're reading from verses 3 to 6. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. And we all, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all.
0: Yeah, fascinating passage describing the ministry of Jesus and the sacrifice that he would make. I've seen documentaries, uh, Danny, where they will go out on the streets of America and they will read this passage to people in the street. And they'll read it out and they'll say, who do you think this was speaking about? And almost to a person, they'll say, Jesus of Nazareth. And they'll say, do you realise this was written 700 years before he was born? And it'll dawn on people, what does this mean? That that this was written about mm. him, seven hundred years in advance, and people clearly see in the life of Jesus this this passage about his suffering, about his crucifixion, about the fact that he would take upon himself the burden of the sins of humanity. Uh, and so, another fascinating, um, uh, another fascinating prophecy. One more I want to uh, do, and then we want to just talk about something. In Psalm 22, verse 1, David cries out the words, and when Jesus is on the cross, he cries out these very words. Jesus, of course, is described as the son of David. But it says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus cries out these very words on the cross just before he dies. And uh, David had written them down already in advance, a thousand years in advance. And so... We have so many of these Messianic prophecies. In fact, there was uh, a, uh, a university lecturer, Dr. Peter Stoner. He took 600 of his students and uh, took just eight of the prophecies of these 300 various prophecies and illusions. He just took eight of them about the Messiah and applied the principle of probability. In other words, he's saying, what are the odds of somebody actually just by accident fulfilling eight of these prophecies. Not all 300, not 48, just eight. Huh. What are the odds of one person just accidentally fulfilling these? Um, and uh, Dr. Peter Stoner, he was the former chairman of Departments of Mathematics, Astronomy and Engineering at Pasadena College in California. Well, they, they put them together and they concluded that the chance of all eight being fulfilled in one man in a lifetime was one in 10 to the power of 17. That is a one with 17 zeros after it. In other words, the chances of one individual just fulfilling eight of those prophecies by chance is a greater number than all the people who have ever lived on planet Earth. Wow. So then you've got to think to yourself, maybe he really was who his believers and followers claimed for him to be. You know, uh, it is fascinating to think that there were 300 prophecies and allusions to the life of Christ before he came the first time. It's also fascinating to note that there are 300 prophecies about the second coming in the New Testament. Ah, When you think about this, I believe Jesus is going to come again, not just because of all the signs of the times that we see now, but I believe Jesus will come again because it's prophesied 300 times in the New Testament. Hmm. That's based upon the fact that it was prophesied 300 times in the Old Testament that he would come the first time, and he did. In wow. other words, Jesus will come the second time, guaranteed, because he came in fulfillment of prophecy the amen. first time. We're going to sing, well, no, we're not going to sing, <laughs> we're going to listen to some music. Avalon New Day, enjoy the music. <laughs> Okay. Well, that was Havilon and New Day. That stopped abruptly, didn't it? Okay, Danny, we're about to wrap up here. We're about to say goodbye. So why don't you tell people about the free offer today?
1: Okay. As always, our, we have a free offer. And today it's the book Steps to Christ that we mentioned earlier. It's a great little book on having a relationship not with a Jesus. Book, not a long no, book. No, 13 small chapters. You can read it within a few hours. 1-800-324-843, first person to call will receive this gift. 1-800-324-843 or 491 64 that's 0491-064-669. Thank you, Peter. Over to you.
0: No worries. All right. Well, I don't know about you, Danny, but I have really enjoyed today only because whenever we're talking about Jesus, it uh, inspires me. And I, am, I love the fact that the Bible does not expre- uh, expect... People to have a blind faith. It is a faith based on evidence, Mm. and uh, that's what attracted to me in in the first place. Is I, you know, I used to think that uh, Christianity was pie in the sky by and by. But uh, it is faith based on evidence. And some of the prophetic evidence we've looked at today has been absolutely fantastic. So thank you so much for choosing to listen in with us today. We hope that you will be able to join us for next week. Thank you, Danny. It's been great talking with you again today. And uh, we just want to remind our listeners that in spite of the challenges that we're facing on planet Earth... Jesus Christ is soon to return. And the Bible tells us in Luke 21, 28, when these things begin to happen, look up for your redemption draws nigh. So until next time, keep looking up.